The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Greed, volatility, and those darn dot plots. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you're here. We've got an hour for you, so let's get it going. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano's our President and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And of course, we want to do the week in review. And of course, this past week was a negative one, and that broke a long streak, Derek. Right. The NASDAQ had been up seven weeks in a row, closed down 1% this week. S&P followed suit, similar decline. And the Russell 2000 small cap index was down 2%. So all in all, a, a pullback after a very strong rally. And we weren't surprised really of what happened this past week, especially out of the news of central banks around the world certainly rattled some of the investment advisors this week. Right. We saw some higher than expected interest rate increases overseas. We heard from Jerome Powell. He, he again intimated that the Fed expects two more rate hikes in 2023, whereas in the past, many people thought we'd be seeing some rate cuts by the balance of the year. So central bank pressure on inflation continues. And of course, they are data dependent, so anything's possible. So we'll have to take a look at that, but we see what's happening in the Eurozone. And Derek, there's this thing called the PMI that we pay attention to. Right. I mean, Europe is definitely in a recession. Germany is in a recession. Uh, we saw weakness in France as well. And, you know, and one of the linchpins of the rally cries has been the China reopening would elevate everyone. And China's reopening has actually gone worse than expected, which has forced a central bank in China to actually go the opposite way. They're actually easing. And if they ease, folks, that generally means that their economy is slowing. So we're watching that with China. In fact, if they start to slow down, of course, as the second biggest economy in the world, that will have ripple effects. And at the same time, the Eurozone, as I mentioned, this PMI is at 50.3. Anything under 50 suggests retraction. And as Derek points out, Ireland, Germany, probably in a recession. France, not that far behind. So the United States is still in Oasis. And we're going to pay attention that as we go, the Federal Reserve meeting coming up will steal the story, however. Well, they don't meet again until late July. And I think one thing that people need to keep in mind is at the beginning of this rally, positioning was extremely negative. Institutional exposure to equities was at multi-year lows. Retail enthusiasm for stocks had ebbed. And that positioning is now flipped. Strategists who had been bearish for a long time are recently starting to turn bullish as they're basically assigning a story to price action. So it's a time to be cautious. The volatility index is at very low levels, traded below 13 this week. And complacent Licency seems to be ruling the roost, but all in all, the technology sector continues to be the places to be with the NASDAQ, uh, outperform the S&P by a wide margin. And so, you know, we can talk about sectors and we can talk about the S&P, but there is certainly a lot of news being made by the bulls because you gave me a chart this week that showed the S&P returns over the last number of months and year, and it's really shocking to those who've been sitting on the sideline. Right. On a year-to-date basis, the S&P 500 is up 15%. And the interesting thing about that is as well as the rallying technologies, it really hasn't been accompanied by any increase in earnings estimates. So all of that has been fueled by what they call multiple expansion. And for the bulk of the stocks in the S&P 500, they have not benefited from multiple expansion. In fact, they're trading roughly flat on the year. And we look at all of that and say, you know, what is going on? And of 
course, we have earnings coming up and not that long. Of course, we're getting into the July 4th weekend coming up in just a bit. And, and we look at the earnings season that will start. But the world is really kind of goofy. And it's not just the economic news. There's some entertainment news as well. Nice job. Good, good, good guess. Really good play, Danny. Nice job. And of course, you know, where the economic and entertainment news come together, we saw this crazy story where Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg might have a cage fight in Las Vegas. I heard, and the, and the expectation is that could be a billion-dollar event, and although I do know Mark Zuckerberg actually does practice jiu-jitsu, so I would have to give the odds to him. Yeah, where I don't think Elon Musk does. So, you know, in this crazy world that we live in, there's certainly economic news and there's entertainment news, and some are coming together. We often talk about the collide of politics and economics, but in a bigger picture, and I want to end on this because it's a big story, the 10-year Treasury has made a lot of news this week. The 10-year Treasury is sitting at 3.75%. And the, I think the most important thing right now is nominal interest rates are finally above the inflation rate. So that means that real rates are now positive. When that did not occur, when it, when real rates were negative, it actually incented people to go out and spend because you were basically losing money if you saved. That has started to reverse at the same time that the benefits of all of the accommodation during and following the pandemic has started to subside. We know students may have to begin paying their student loans back at the end of the summer. So the possibility that demand could start to slow and potentially not support some of these advances in some companies is, is starting to take hold. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Dave Spano, our President and CEO, this Week in Review, On Demand, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at the top of the hour, Sunday, June 25th. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, is here. Dave Spano, President, CEO. Dave, we were talking about Musk and Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg going in the ring. You still box? You got any boxing no, skills left? No, okay. yeah, I've got nothing. I've no, got nothing. No cage no. match for this guy. No, right. I'm, right. I, I'm, I just try to walk. That's my thing. <laughs> no, but you know, we, we're looking at, Danny, uh, right now, if you look ahead and see what the interest rates that we have gone through over the last number of months in almost a year, and what scarring effect that's going to have on different sectors. And for example, Derek, we look at energy and what's happening in the ideas on supply side, but there is no question that these interest rate hikes will have a profound effect on the economy. Right. And, you know, in some ways, we've drawn the analogy of a hurricane being in the eye of the hurricane in the sense that the economy was strong enough initially to withstand higher interest rates, primarily because the labor market remained extremely strong. But if you listen to Powell and some of these other Fed governors, it's hard to imagine they don't want to see that unemployment rate touch 4%, perhaps even as high as 4.5%. And if that were the case, then that wealth effect goes in reverse. People are less confident about their jobs. They spend less. We talked about accommodation having basically 
basically been exhausted and people starting to eat into their savings and credit card rates at record high levels. So it really is easy to see a hiccup in the economy. We've talked about this recession that everybody's been looking for, but at some point those higher rates do bite. And my hope is that the Fed doesn't tighten too much. And that is definitely a possibility. As you mentioned, they're still talking about rate raising. We had a pause at the last meeting, but at some point you can over tighten. And which is really kind of funny because we go back to a year and a half when we said they were too easy for too long and that was going to cause runaway inflation. And I'm here to say that if they over tighten, it could be a deeper and wider recession than what is anticipated. The other aspect of this is the housing market. We saw a really strong housing starts number, building permits also up uh, to the highest levels they've been in quite some time. And the housing market remains very firm. Dave, as you know, in most places, uh, housing inventories are really low, and that compels the builders then now with lumber prices at more reasonable levels and their ability to see your better financing their, than private competitors. That's causing them to construct homes, and that potentially could put some downward pressure on prices. But housing being strong is another wealth effect that has helped to keep consumers on the spending trail. And, and let's stay on the real estate idea for right now. Commercial real estate is the proverbial next shoe to drop. And you think about what could happen, and of course, a we read uh, a couple of weeks ago that so much of CRE or commercial real estate is in interest only. And so as these rates have risen, that has put pressure on their financials. Right. And we've seen like, a, for example, one of the largest hotels in San Francisco, they just walked away from their from their obligations. So there is pressure there. Uh, refinancing rates are certainly going to be lower. The occupancy rates are higher. Uh, and so there will be pressure there. And that, again, ag- aggravates the situation that many of the banks face, you know, where they're having to pay depositors more money and therefore they're more reluctant to loan. So that could also, again, be a hindrance on the economy, which is why we really really think a a more neutral exposure to equities relative fixed income is called for. There's one thing that we've heard a lot, of course, is did this bank crisis pass? And and we said we didn't think it's completely passed and that there could be more consolidations coming in the future. Right. Typically what you see in a banking cycle is a credit bust. You see some higher defaults rates. You see the banks have to pull in their lending and that, of course, restricts their ability to lend further and has a cascading effect. And with interest rates at higher levels and people have been used to for quite a while, it's not hard to see that happening. And you talk about uh, human nature, and, and I think that is really apt to what we're talking about here. And as we go through portfolios, people have to keep their eye on the long-term perspective. And you and I have been doing this for a long time, and that is really a solid piece of advice. Absolutely. I mean, you want to look at valuations, but you also don't want to, you know, use valuations as your only tool because valuations are horrendous timing devices. We've certainly seen that with some of the artificial intelligence related stocks that have had a a spectacular first half of 2023. But at some point, those valuations do stick and people are no longer willing to pay more than 40 times sales for one particular company. (laughs) And they're going to look at other areas like maybe some beaten down banks that they think will weather the storm better than others or consumer discretionary companies companies that have managed their inventory better, or even energy companies that are now at a much cheaper level than they were at the beginning of the year with oil prices supposedly going higher into the balance of the year if China recovers. And we are talking about investments, but we have a lot of of the show left, Danny, and we're going to cover a lot of other topics and have all other voices and looking forward to the rest of the show. This show is a great sample of Annex Wealth Management and the way it's built as a team. And it's a team that can work for you. In fact, it probably should work for you, right? Maybe you're working with somebody else, haven't heard from them in a while, maybe you're not quite confident, it's time, right? 
Let's take a second look at what you've got. Let's get a plan in place for this year and beyond. It starts at AnnexWealth.com when you click that Get Started button. You know, we work with a number of businesses to create solid workplace benefits programs. But what kinds of companies? We're going to take a break and be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Annex Wealth Management, investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Forget commission sales pitches and financial products you don't need. Know the difference. Annex provides elite, comprehensive financial planning customized to who you are and what you need. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Tom. Hello, Danny. I got to apologize at the start of this segment. You and I were discussing Retirement Plan Services Department at Annex, and I I just guessed the number of clients that you and the team handle. It was far lower than you and the team actually handled. Sorry about that. Danny, I take that as a compliment. I figure that means we're doing well with the resources we have, so thank you. You know, it makes sense. You guys have a department that's well-staffed, and that's how you provide that client service that you do. We talk about team all the time in Annex, and that's true. I have a great team on the 401k side, but we also work with the investment committee and the other wealth managers. So it truly is a team effort, and we're, we're fortunate to have the people we do. I thought it might be helpful to paint the picture as to the types of companies that we provide services for. And it is a wide range. So maybe there's a company owner or a CFO, an HR professional, or a small business leader listening that will hear a company like theirs and decide that Annex Wealth Management and the Retirement Plan Services would be a great tool in attracting and retaining talent because that's a big deal. It is for sure, regardless of the size of your company. So you're, you're spot on here. Here's another mistake I made. You said we've got a client that's a startup. I'm like, oh, that's great. Like a, like a business in a garage kind of a startup, like like the early Harley Davidson or Hewlett Packard, but no. Here's where you get into 401k vernacular. And when we talk about startup plans, we're talking about the plan starting up. So yes, there are startup companies. Sometimes they will also start up a 401k plan at the time they're starting the company, but very rarely does that happen. Really, when we're looking at startups, we're talking about companies that have been around for a while, they finally got their feet under them, starting to accumulate some employees, and they want to start offering benefits. So the plan is something that they are starting up after having had their business go for a while. How do we structure that in the early days? It's interesting, Danny. They're secure legislation and then Secure 2.0 really changed the way that startup plans operate. The purpose of those legislation, well, an element of that legislation, the purpose was to encourage more employers to start 401k plans to offer this benefit. So there are actually a lot of tax incentives and other financial incentives for smaller companies to start 401k plans. Education is what it's all about, Danny, because those people very involved in their business. They got a lot more important things to worry about than this. So we really act as a guide in helping them understand what they need to do, what they can do, and how to make it all happen. Good for the companies, ultimately good for the employees. Let's jump up to a medium-sized company. With Annex Wealth Management and the Retirement Plan Services world, what constitutes a medium-sized company? I love that you're asking this question, Danny, because when we look in our industry and people talk about this, they always focus on the asset size of the plan. And for us, the total assets of a plan are really not relevant. What's relevant is the employees. How many of them are there? Where are they located? Sure. You know, do you have 15 locations or do you only have the one? For us, a medium-sized company is somewhere in the 75 to 150-ish range. And that's what we look at. That's kind of our core group. We have more clients in that space than anyone. With more employees, does that expand the breadth of services? 
The breadth of services itself does not expand. It's really just a question of how do we deliver those across the employee population. If there are multiple locations, obviously that adds a dynamic than if there's only one. The other question is what do our clients want from us? We offer a lot of stuff, Danny, as you know. A lot of it is figuring out which combination of the services we offer is going to be right for the particular employee base. With Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. So we work with companies at the startup level, medium-sized companies, large companies as well. Without naming names, how do you describe those large companies and how do we do that? When we look at large companies, I think in terms of companies that have the resources inside the company itself. So they'll have a full-fledged benefits department. There's going to be somebody at the company who really understands benefits overall, 401ks in particular. You're going to see investment committees, things like that. Just the manner in which we interact with those is different because they have resources that smaller and medium-sized companies don't have as much. So just we don't spend as much time on education and perspective because they already have that. Based on their experience, we really get into more of the specifics of how we're going to deliver our services both to them as a committee and to their employees. Yeah. So big or small, our goal is the same high-level service for a client that attracts and retains great employees because that's what we're after. It is, Danny. The employees, the participants, as we call them in our 401k speak, are really what the plan is all about. What we want to do is help our clients structure a plan that is going to help their employees maximize the benefit and then work with their team to help them take greatest advantage of that through technology, through one-on-one meetings. We do all of those things. Like I said before, it depends on from one client to the next, whether they prefer mostly in person, mostly online, some combination of the two. The nice thing about working at Annex is we can customize things for whatever our clients want. It's a lot of fun. You shared the following stats with me. I was blown away. 87% of employees feel retirement benefits are an important consideration when deciding to stay, stay with an employer. 75% of employees believe an employer has a great deal of responsibility to help them save for retirement. If you need to build up a retirement plan service, maybe you want a second look at what you got. What's the best way to get a hold of you? I recommend people check me out on LinkedIn. Always look at our YouTube channel to get a feel for how we communicate with people. Otherwise, check out AnnexWealth.com and get a hold of us. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Danny. We're going to take a quick break and be back with Ask Annex. Thanks for listening. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Losing sleep lately, the job, the house, the headlines, or investments? How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Let's do Ask Annex. If you got a question for us, you head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. And again, as always, if we can help, just click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, joining us for Ask Annex. Welcome. Hi, Danny. Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Welcome to you. Hi, Danny. First question on Ask Annex. I'd like to leave money to my grandchildren, but different amounts based on need. Can that be arranged? And can the amounts be kept secret? 
Absolutely. You definitely have the flexibility to leave different amounts of money to your grandchildren in your estate planning. So just when consulting with your estate planning attorney or financial advisor, you can just let them know your desire to keep the inherited amounts confidential, and they can help explore the legal options and strategies to protect your wishes. Next on Ask Annex, I want to park some cash short term. Online HYSA, that's high yield savings account, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Rates vary from 4 to 4.8%. Naturally, the highest rate is from an institution I've never heard of. Is that a problem. So it depends. You know, one thing I would look at from that institution is, are they FDIC insured? Then you at least have the backing of, of those assets that are there that you know that if you stay underneath those limits, that that cash is going to be available to you. What I would also look at is the two main questions that I would have for you is how much is it going to be and for how long? Because there are other options as well, too. You think of like a money market account, you know, through the custodians that we use, you're getting almost 5% on that. And that's really, really short term money that you can access a day later. And that's a great option for you there. And you know that you've got the full back and then because of where that money market is. If it's going to be a little bit longer, you can actually look at treasuries as a potential option because you're getting five to five and a half percent within the short of two year time period on that. So if you know, hey, I want this money, but I'm not going to need it for a year, year and a half, you might be able to layer some treasuries in there and get an even higher yield and a better backing behind it as well. Yeah, and you also make sure you read that fine print. There's occasions where companies will limit how much you can take out. So they may say you can only take out 25% a month. And they also limit the ATM machines you can use to access that money. So just read the fine print and just be careful when you're using the online high yield savings account companies. Ask Annex got a question. You head to the website, look for the Ask tab. Next up, new job but no insurance for 60 days. Can I use HSA money to pay for COBRA? Yes, absolutely. You can make the tax-free distributions from your HSA to pay medical premiums when you continue coverage through COBRA or you're collecting unemployment benefits. Next up, I've been waiting for this one. We are shocked. Our last child graduated from college and we have leftover 529 money. It seems like rolling it over to a Roth IRA is the best idea for our situation. This seems to be a very rare occurrence, but we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. So beginning in 2024, the federal legislation known as the Secure Act 2.0 gives 529 plan beneficiaries the ability to transfer some of those 529 plan funds into their own Roth IRA without paying taxes or penalties. But of course, there's always rules that are associated with it. You can do a lifetime maximum of $35,000, but the annual Roth contribution limits will apply. So you just have to be aware of those. And that 529 plan needs to be open for at least 15 years. And you also can't roll over the last five years of contributions or earnings. So it's a great option, but there are some strings attached. And you could go back to school yourself, right? But I don't know who does that. But right, Did you, what was the Rodney Dangerfield movie? School days. Back to back school. To school. <laughs> That's a fantastic school. one. <laughs> Next up on Ask Annex, I hear countless radio commercials about the weakness of the U.S. dollar and how it might be replaced as the standard currency. How much of this is true? So it really depends. And first, I would look at the commercial that you're seeing and what are they trying to sell? Because most of the time, that's what it is, right? And a lot of times, these are places that are going to try to get you to invest into gold or to silver or something like that. So I would look at the messaging of that commercial first. Secondly, we do get this question fairly often, and it depends on how you're looking at it. So currencies have time periods where they're strong and other times where they're weak versus other baskets of currencies. And that's natural. There's going to be an ebb and flow to all currencies. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a long-term trend. It doesn't necessarily mean that the dollar is going to go out of favor as well, too. Those, there's natural time periods where the dollar is going to do better or worse than other currencies. Long-term, yes, there's always a time where certain world powers have their currencies 
currency be the currency of the entire world. Right now it's the U.S. dollar. In past it was Rome and other types of empires in the past that had their currency be the big thing. So there is going to be a time where the U.S. dollar won't be. But right now we're about 70% of world reserve currencies in trade. The next closest is 20%, which is the euro. But most of that trade and denomination in terms of the banking system is in Europe itself. It's not necessarily spreading as much out to the rest of the world. So I think we've got some time there, but something we certainly watch for. Matt Morrissey, Investment Team Manager, thank you. Thank you. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, thank you. You're welcome. At Annex, we don't sell annuities. In fact, we don't sell anything, but our clients come to us with annuities in their portfolios and we analyze them carefully. That means we're really experienced at seeing just about every version of them. We're going to take a look at fixed deferred annuities after a break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and a CFP at Annex. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. You know, besides hotcakes, you know what else is selling like hotcakes? Annuities. In a time of volatility, the marketing around them is creative and to my eye and ear, constant. Guaranteed income. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But like anything, there are pros, cons, and alternatives. We want you to know the difference. So Eric, our financial planning team, you guys are no stranger to annuities, and we see lots of them during the portfolio review. And if I remember correctly, your team pours through many of them each year on behalf of our clients. That is the Annex Wealth Management Annuity Analysis. Yes, there are many types of annuities. You know, you've got variable annuities, indexed style of annuities. You've got these fixed deferred annuities we're going to talk about more so today. But they're very complicated. They can be very expensive. Long-term obligation in many cases. We very much like to help our clients understand annuities that they already own and how they work, how they can best leverage those. Let's start with a brief explanation of fixed deferred annuities for our listeners who may not be familiar with them because, as you said, there's a ton of styles. We're going to zero in just on one style of annuity today, the fixed deferred annuity, because they are so popular at the current time. This is where you're investing with a life insurance company. You are handing over some money to them. In exchange, you get an annuity contract, which is going to provide typically a guaranteed rate of interest for some stated amount of time. Fixed deferred annuities typically are very simple, no fees, very similar to a bank CD. However, there also are fixed annuities that are high complicated with lots of bells and whistles and lots of riders and costs and rules. And those are different as well. So I do want to draw that distinction. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that as well. Annuities are sold. And you were talking about bells and whistles, and they usually come with the commission for the salesperson. Let's talk about sales data in general. Yeah, we actually just got the first quarter 2023 sales data from Limra. During the first quarter, That we had $91 billion of total annuities sold. And interestingly, these fixed deferred annuities represented about 44% of all annuity sales, which is very, very staggering growth compared to the prior year. These fixed deferred annuities are very popular now, representing almost half of annuity sales. Rates for fixed annuities, they're high. It's got something to do with the 10-year treasury yield. Can you explain that correlation? Yes. Fixed annuity rates are influenced by interest rates in general, because think about this. When you're buying this annuity contract, 
the life insurance company is turning around and taking your money and investing that in conservative bonds and such. So if interest rates are going higher and they can earn more on that, then you are going to see these rates going up. Look at the 10-year treasury yield as an example of a benchmark. As that goes up and down for fixed annuity type products, you're going to see rates going up and down as well. And we're in a, a higher environment relative to recent history. So that's why we're seeing those higher rates. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex. Let's talk about the pros and the cons. Let's do the pros first. Yeah, the pros of fixed deferred annuities, especially because rates are higher now, is that for those simple varieties, you've got a very understandable product similar to a bank CD, very easy to understand, typically just paying that level interest rate for a certain number of years. And we like simple and understandable because in the world of annuities, that's pretty rare. So that's really the pros, but let's turn to the cons because you've got to understand that as well. First of all, you want to be wary that some of these fixed products are very complicated. They're not necessarily as preferable. In some cases, they can be. They can have lots of complexity, hidden expenses, rules that can change over time, even while you're still obligated to the product and a very long term that you must keep these products in most cases. And the commissions are very, very high for the salesperson in many of these more complicated fixed products. So be wary of that. So that's the first downside. More broadly speaking, there is an inflation risk, sort of a hidden risk to really buying these because you know you look at these and you think, wow, these rates are really good and I, I'm happy with that. And these high fixed rates can tempt investors to become sometimes overly weighted to these conservative investments like annuities. Understand that we're in a high inflation time. We haven't seen inflation like this since the 70s and the 80s. Because of that, there is a hidden risk to holding these types of products, we don't want to just keep up with inflation. We need to maintain a balanced portfolio with equities and be ready for significantly higher costs. And even in our own lives with healthcare costs increasing, it's very important to understand that we're in that higher inflation time. And as a result of that, there is that hidden risk when it comes to buying these types of products. Are there alternatives? Yes, this is a good way to think about it. Remember, when you buy an annuity contract, you've put the life insurance company as the middleman. What they're doing, they're turning around and investing in those conservative investments. In return, you get a life insurance contract or an annuity contract. So the alternative to this is to remove the middleman and you buy those investments directly. For example, treasury ladders. Now, an advantage of this is that you're more nimble because by you accepting that risk and you becoming the investor as rates change, because as we know, things are always changing. We've got presidential election coming up. And with all of that, being nimble and not being tied to a fixed product for many years can give us advantages as things change. And by removing the middleman, what you're really doing is kind of reducing the overall cost in a sense, because even though the fixed annuity itself has no fees, there is a cost, so to speak, to having that middleman in place. And instead, maybe you just buy the investments. In many cases, that can be an appropriate alternative to consider. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Great stuff as always. Thanks. Thank you, Danny. Quick break. We're going to be back with Robert Chastain, branch director, wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, 
Help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show with Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Danny. Well, you know, life can be stressful, tossing retirement planning decisions on top of that and got another layer of stress. This segment is titled Three Things to Do Before You Retire and Three Things That Can Wait. We're going to start with the must-dos. Robert, the first one is Medicare because you don't want to miss that window at all. You definitely do not, Danny. And the magical age for Medicare is 65. Everybody should set an alarm at 64 and a half to start doing your research and or bringing Annex Wealth Management into your picture so we can help navigate the waters. Even if you're going to retire earlier, is the Affordable Care Act for you? Do you need the supplemental coverage? What drug plan do you have? There are a lot of different choices and you want to make the best ones because you only apply for Medicare once. Yeah, and early is good. Late is a disaster, isn't it? Late is a disaster. You want to be early. You do not want to be late for this dinner, All right. so to say. <laughs> Must do number two. These are things you need to do before retirement. And then we're going to talk about three things that can wait. And the second is to build a social security income bridge. Can you explain that one? So the income bridge are, is mostly for people who want to wait till 70. This is really a kind of a complex issue, right? If you have longevity in your family genes, then maybe you don't even want to think about taking Social Security until 70. But at bare minimum, we should come up with a withdrawal strategy for you with all of the different players on the table so you know where all of your assets are, where they're going, where you're you're pulling from. And then when you start taking Social Security, will become clearer for you. And then let's definitely base that on your health, how much wealth you have. And with all of those factors considered together, then you'll come up with when you should take it. Do you need a bridge? How much of a bridge, et cetera, et cetera. We're with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Three things to do before you retire. Three things that can wait. We're in the third of the things that you need to do before you retire. And the third is one that we have talked about often. And I think we can keep talking about this because you can get into retirement. But if you're not set mentally, spiritually, planfully, it's not going to work. you got to have a plan for your time. We have talked about this multiple times. I am a victim of this, and I talk about it often to people that I uh, see as clients. If you don't have a plan or if you are not ready to go from 100 miles an hour to zero, it can be a problem. If you've worked 30, 40 years, whatever the amount is, and you've had that daily, weekly, monthly, yearly schedule, then your vacations. And all of a sudden, I don't have to be at the office at 8. I don't have to be somewhere at at 9 a.m. I don't have all my meetings. I don't have lunches. I don't have, you know, whatever your schedule entailed. All of a sudden, it goes from full 
to empty. That's a problem for a lot of people. So start getting those hobbies. Start, you know, I started refing just to, from for the camaraderie of the guys. I like running around. It's exercise. So have some other interests that you can either step up on, you know, might be pickleball like it is for me, but just have some other things in mind so that you aren't going from going from 100 to 60 is a lot easier than going from 100 to zero. Yeah, I've done both. <laughs> Medicare, Social Security bridge, and a plan for your time. There's a lot to deal with before you retire. What decisions can wait? Do you have to address every issue about retirement, or can you shelve some choices for a while? For many, these three decisions can wait. Not everybody, but most. Robert, what's on the list? First thing up is filing for Social Security. Now, this is an interesting point, and I bring this up to a lot of uh, different clients that I speak with. If you are going to retire, say this year, I try and talk people into retiring in November or December. And people, I go, well, I, I want the summer. And I go, well, what's your income up until June? right? And then if you've made too much money, you're not going to get anything from Social Security anyway, and you're going to have to cover yourself for that bridge, right? So if you retire November, December, the calendar year turns on in January for your Social Security to kick in. So that's why I always try and talk people, retire later in the year, and then you don't need much of a gap before you turn the faucet on. I was this many years old when I learned this. Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much. You are, you're very welcome. All right. Talking about three things that can probably wait until you're retired. What's next? So next is moving. And, and now, Danny, this has really become a bigger issue since interest rates have run up. If a lot of our fo- a lot of the folks out there have mortgages at 3%, pump the brakes before you think about moving because the rates now are 7 and 8. Prospectively, your costs are going to double. If you're you know that three, in that 3% range, you're going to get sticker shock. And the other thing that's going to happen is if you've been grandfathered in property taxes and now once you move, you know, you're going to move your homestead and you're going to, they're going to get a new run at you and you're going to be at the current rates that houses are, have exploded to in Southwest Florida. So property taxes have been lagging because they're trapped at 3% a year. When you move, you unleash that trap and now you're at the, the going rates and now mortgages have doubled. So it's a double hit. Be very, very careful before turning in those cheap dollars that you've borrowed. And one final thing you can probably wait on until after you retire, and that's spending. That doesn't mean, you know, be a pauper, but just kind of watch it. The key to retirement are expenses. If your expenses are too high, you're going to run out of money. And there are some things that, you know, we have up our sleeve to help you. Just in case of the unforeseen, you do have a medical event that really taxes your income and your savings. But if there's anything (laughs) that you can curtail, is it a nice to have, have to have? Expenses really are the key to retirement. And it's not to say, hey, you've worked your whole life. You should be able to enjoy yourself some, but let's do it in moderation. Yeah. And you know what? If you've got the plan, you'll sit down with Robert and you're going to say, Robert, really? I want the new boat. And if the plan works. And we might say, well, maybe you want the bigger one if it really works. (laughs) That's right. You know, and it's, I I mean, we we aren't in the business of saying no. We're in the business of telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Sure. Robert, how do we get a hold of you? Anybody can reach me directly at 239-350-6363. No one's plan is the same. Let's talk about it.
best way to get things going is head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click on that Get Started button, or there, otherwise you can give Robert a call. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Quick break. We're going to be back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. NUA. What is it? How does it impact clients who are business executives? Brandon Lehman is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, and he works with a number of business executives. In fact, you've heard him before speaking about Annex Executive, which is a program designed for executives and the unique needs and challenges. Welcome back. Danny, it's great to be here. Okay, take me to school. What is a definition of NUA? All right, so let's start at the beginning. Net unrealized appreciation. What it is, if you work for a corporation and have the ability to own stock inside your 401k, well, you have a qualifying event. What does that mean? You retired, you were let go, 59 and a half, and then you take that stock and everything in your 401k, lift it up and move it out. But the stock now gets to go into what they call a brokerage account. And there's a lot of tax advantages written into this. And it's it's a very specific process that can be extremely important to a financial plan. Would somebody have that larger block of their own company stock as part of their compensation? Yes, but in a 401k, not always. If you think about some of the corporations we have here, Folks have worked them a very long time, some of the publicly traded. And from an early age, we're told, buy the company stock, buy the company stock. Well, where was the best place to do it? It was in the 401k through those contributions. So that's what they started to do. So over 30 years, they accumulated all this company stock of great local companies. Section 402E4 of the IRS tax code plays a prominent role. And I can see you nodding. So you know what that is. Yeah, it's it's important that this gets into, okay, what does the IRS say you can do and how can you do it? You are allowed to take the stock out of the 401k and put it in a non-tax sheltered account. Layman's terms, no pun intended. You're putting into a brokerage account or a joint account, individual account at, let's say, TD Schwab or Fidelity. Again, the triggering event is the key that revolves around all of this. Then the way the code works is, and this is getting somewhat heavy, but what's important to understand is, let's just use round numbers. You put in 3000 but now it's worth 100 and you move that stock over, you have to pay taxes on that cost basis. That's what's so important in understanding how that works. Let's talk about the two stages where stock shares would be distributed within that NUA. Yep. So the first is you transfer them and it has to be in kind. Again, there's there's all these languages and let's just take a step back. That's why you work with somebody when you do this. It's not something that you potentially want to go and try and do on your own because if there's a misstep or an issue, there could be a tax liability. You got to move in kind. Then you move in kind and now you have that stock sitting there. You pay taxes on the cost basis. If cost basis was $3, that difference, now you can sell at long-term capital gains gains rates, which is huge. So if you have a plan where you have no non-qualified assets right now, but you're early retiring and you can't access your 401k or you don't want to access the IRA dollars, well, now you've created a bucket that's taxed at a lower rate that fits perfectly into your plan. It's all these different things that working with a wealth management firm and a wealth manager and annex is helpful. Talking about NUA with Brandon Lehman, what's the window? Do you have to fast track something like this? You don't, but what's important is when you decide to do this, besides the trigger and event, it all has to be done within one year. You have to get it done. So if, if you move the stock, let's say in March, by the end of the year, you have to move that entire 401k. 
So what's the right way to navigate it? So you really should sit down with somebody who knows what they're doing, who's done these things before, because not only are there a lot of nuances, and you can talk to some of our client service managers who have dealt with it. It's making sure we make the right transaction at the right time, move it. But there's other things to be very aware of. Sometimes it might say you own company stock, but you don't. You own a company class share. So it's almost like a mutual fund of company shares, but not the actual stock. So that's something you should talk to your HR about, human resources, your team at work to see, do I truly own the common shares, as they're called, or do I own something else inside this 401k? Can somebody get to a low or no taxation spot? It is possible depends on how you move the shares out, how you look at the shares. You look for those higher cost bases, so the spread is is pretty low. And then the thing to be extremely cognizant of is that cost basis can be taxable, but there's also private letter rulings out there that maybe we've talked about before. Again, getting heavy, but can be extremely important. That's why you need a team on your side. Talking about NUA with Brandon Lehman, any other things to watch out for? I think you just have to have a strategy and you have to have a plan because sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know, we have talked internally here as we do coaching and we continue to educate ourselves, you know, what is the right balance? Is it if my cost basis is a third of the overall value, if it's a half, if it's a quarter, where, and really, frankly, it comes down to your financial plan. What makes sense in your planning for retirement? Do you do the NUA? Do you not? All of that is discussion and it involves a whole host of people from obviously your work, obviously your financial planner, your wealth manager, and the tax team. So at Annex, you have all of that. You can sit down at Annex and you can talk to everyone. Everyone can come in and talk to you and explain what's going on and guide you through this process step by step. And the beauty is we've done so many here and we've utilized a term called Frank Duke, which is a whole other conversation to really take advantage of and help our clients out. If you're a business executive, you'd like to know more about the Annex Executive Program, feel free to reach out to Brandon Lehman. He's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Brandon, thank you for your time. Thanks, Danny. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. A segment addressing the sandwich generation. Deanne Phillips here to talk about it. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, Danny. As Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, you work with a wide variety of clients. And I'm sure you see clients who are struggling as part of the sandwich generation. But can you give us a quick explanation of what that is? Sure. It was a term that was coined originally in the 80s, believe it or not. The sandwich generation is that generation of people typically in their 40s or 50s responsible for bringing up their own children at the same time they're caring for their aging parents or other family members. In other words, they literally are sandwiched between two generations as active caregivers. And it's not easy duty. The number I've seen is an estimated 9 million sandwich generation caregivers. That is a lot. Yeah, and about 3 in 10 U.S. adults, just under 30%, have a child younger than 18 at home, and 12% of those parents 
provide unpaid care for an adult as well. So all told, these are multi-generational caregivers who often provide more than two and a half hours of unpaid care per day on average, according to the Pew Research Center analysis of the Bureau of Labor Statistics data. Yeah, and as you point out, this is not a full-time caregiver. It's either like somebody employed at a care center. The sandwich generation caregivers, they need to balance full-time jobs and the rest of their life. Right. So two-thirds of these caregivers are employed working about 36 hours per week at their own job and balancing the stress of that. But also, and you know, this is not necessarily a bad thing, Danny, but the amount of time that parents spend actively with their kids these days has gone up considerably now. Moms spend more than 40% more time with their kids than the mom did in the 1960s. And dad quality time has tripled as well. But when you combine this with full-time job and an average of 22 hours per week caring for an elderly parent on top of that, well, that can stretch the caregiver pretty thin. It's an assumption. Maybe it's not fair. Does this fall primarily on women? Yes. Increasingly, the sandwich generation definition could also include, besides the word female, the word Millennial. Since the pandemic, millennial women have begun to fill the ranks, joining Gen Xers and boomers in the sandwich, according to a recent New York Life report. Millennials are one third of all multi-generational caregivers now post-COVID. Part of this is because that generation has delayed parenting well into their 30s. And so now they're actually paying for child care and elder care at the same time. And that puts a financial squeeze on them as well. They still might also be paying student loans. And that millennial generation has a record amount of medical debt on top of it. So this really suggests an added need for financial and retirement planning for those facing those challenges. You mentioned boomers. This is a crazy stat. They're going to start reaching their 80s in 2026. Mm -hmm. About 60% of adults 65 and older have at least two chronic conditions. That's according to the CDC. More people living with dementia. That's more hands-on care. About 25% of dementia caregivers are also caring for children under the age. I mean, God bless them. You know, if they can, you know, it it gets to some point where, of course, a child wants to do what's best for their parent. And sometimes physically, they just aren't able to meet the needs, too. It's easy to feel guilty about that when you're torn between those because you're torn between those two worlds because you feel a responsibility to your parent, but you've got the rest of your life as well. Well, you do. But you also, you know, sometimes it's for me. I mean, my mom's not a large woman, but just lifting her and dealing with that. I was afraid of hurting her. So it became that challenge. And this can absolutely lead to levels of added stress for these individuals. More women than men leave the workforce to care for their loved ones as well, as we both know, Danny. You know, it's little wonder that a recent Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies report found one third of women surveyed said they're just getting by to cover basic living expenses. However, many haven't seen their retirement savings and income placed into a financial plan. They haven't been able to adequately visualize that future. This is is an important step, as we know here at Annex, seeing the plan and what you can do now to make sure your financial and, you know, your personal goals are also met in the future. So what needs to happen with a conversation with loved ones in your family who will need a plan for diminished capacity? And, and mm. really, it should be sooner than later. Well, absolutely. This is why we have attorneys on staff at Annex. Now, we're not a law firm. We don't draft documents, but we certainly use their expertise to review current estate plans advised based on new circumstances like 
caring for a loved one and making sure that they're taken care of in the future. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Just a quick reminder, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. So that might be Spotify, might be Apple Podcasts, wherever. So if you came in partway through and you want to hear the rest, that would be great. I'm Danny Clayton, now joined in the studio by Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hey, Danny, good to see you. Kind of cool having you on CNBC on Friday. That was uh, really interesting stuff. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love the fact that I can do that from the studio so I don't have to travel anywhere. And it's always a nice conversation. You know, it's very short. And so you're limited as to what you're able to say within that 30 second window that they give you. But, you know, it was a nice like five minute dialogue that we had about some of the big themes that we're seeing in the markets. And what exactly were you talking about? Lazy something. Yeah. So I uh, in our quarterly investment outlook, which should be coming out after the let's see here, I think the 4th of July holiday, yep. we're going to be having uh, our view about not only where are we, but where do we think we might be going? And we did get to have a bit of a bull market least we crossed that 20% return mark from the October lows. But what is coming next? Now, obviously, we can't really forecast that, but we can look at history and look at different patterns that we've seen. And there, we think two different types of bull markets. There's a raging bull where it continues to make continued advances because the economy is roaring ahead. But then there's also what we would call a lazy bull market. That's more like what you saw during the 70s, where it went up, but then it went down. So kind of advanced, but in fits and starts, took a few breaks. And that's what we think that we might be in store for, for not only the balance of this year, but really it could even be over the next couple of years. You've appeared on CNBC with Kelly Evans, and she wrote a piece about maybe the economic conditions of now being compared to the 70s, she took a position that maybe it's more like 08, 09. I sent it to you. You'd, you'd seen it. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with her general thesis that a lot of people are drawing comparisons to the 70s because oil prices went high. We had high inflation. Uh, and we uh, thankfully now have oil prices coming down a little bit. Inflation seems to be on a downward trend. And so she draws the analogy more to 2008, 2009. Not to say that it's a financial crisis, but as far as the amount of leverage in the economy. And now a lot of the leverage, it's not in the banking system so much as it is in the government. If you think about debt to GDP for the overall government is around 120%. That's a historic high. Even the deficit that we have. So that's the amount per year in excess of the revenues that they're spending. It's at 5%. And now granted, that's an improvement for what we had in COVID, but it is still unusually high given the strength of the labor market. Do you feel that the average American feels that we're maybe out of the woods, inflation coming down, the bull market was back? Not investment professionals, but the average American. Uh, So thankfully, we do have some surveys to give some indication about that. The University of Michigan has their consumer sentiment index. The conference board has a consumer confidence survey. And when you read through the details of that, people don't think we're out of the woods yet. They do think things are getting better on the inflation front. But there is this lingering worry that there will be a recession and that what does that mean for the job? market then. 
It's interesting you mentioned that. At the end of the week, the Wall Street Journal had a, a headline that caught my eye, and it just said, where is the recession we were promised? It was a tongue-in-cheek headline, but... Where was the re- where is the recession? Yeah, it was we in from? the rearview mirror, really. I mean, people who are worried about a recession coming, I totally understand that because when you have an unemployment rate where it is now, it doesn't seem like there has been one. But there have been pockets of the economy that have been struggling. Uh, I would argue that the manufacturing sector spent most of 2022 in a recession and continues to be there. Uh, we got some data this past week from the purchasing manager indices that suggest manufacturing is still contracting. Now, it's not universal. It's not every company, it's not every industry, but as a whole, goods producing industries have been on the decline. Now, where it hasn't shown up has been in the service sector, but a lot of that is because people during COVID, their consumption was disrupted where suddenly they started buying goods instead of services. They've been rotating back into services, spending money on experiences like travel, hospitality, leisure, things like that. And honestly, that's the part where it looks a little stretched, especially as you see credit card debt rising. There isn't as much stimulus money in people's savings accounts. I'm not exactly sure how long this can really last. Wait till the student loan payments resume. That is another risk, and we deal with that in our quarterly investment outlook as far as something to watch. It is likely going to be something that plays out over time and really affecting a segment of the overall population, but it is likely to be a drag on growth going forward. In our final minute, what's uh, what are we looking at through the front windshield? Yes, so this was a lot about the rear viewer, looking out the the front view mirror. So like next week, I'm really interested towards the end of the week, we're going to get information on personal income and spending. So we'll get that more detailed analysis about how are these spending habits changing over the last few years so that we can see, are we back to where people kind of want to be from a budgeting perspective or not? There's always something, isn't there? There certainly is. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Good, again, good job on uh, TV last week. Thank you so much. Yeah, I sure appreciate that. Folks, can we help you out? Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Let's have a casual conversation and get things going. We'll be back here next Sunday at noon. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.